On this week's episode of Two Views Movies, we're reviewing the Tom Hanks-led Mr. Rogers biopic, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are talking A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which I don't know that either of us ever thought when we started this podcast that we'd have two episodes dedicated to Mr. Rogers. Well, I think that should have been in our plans. <laughs> we we would have been better human beings had we planned for that but Absolutely. instead we wanted to talk about things like the rock and john wick <laughs> well i think this one's going to be an interesting episode because since we have already seen the documentary from last year which we both loved about mr rogers which was called won't you be my neighbor which i have had the hardest time remembering what the name of this movie is i keep calling it won't you be my neighbor but i know it's not but since we saw that one first I- i'm very very curious to dive into this with you in regards to how one affects the other. And I I know on the end of last episode, we talked a bit about this and how one's a documentary and this one's not, and maybe you can separate it, but uh, I'm not sure I can separate them. And I think order matters a lot. So I'm very curious to get your side of this once we get going. Yeah. As a teaser, I think it helps and hurts. (laughs) Wow. That that is a a great comment. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All right. Uh, well, before we get going, it's uh, sponsor time like usual. Yeah, uh, I want to put a plug in for Blue Springs 8. They are um, giving away some some money uh, to the Lee Summit Educational Foundation. So on December 5th, it's a Thursday, all proceeds that uh, that they bring in, they're giving 15% to the Lee Summit Educational Foundation. That's tickets, that's drinks, that's concessions, all that. So I wanted to Give them a, a little plug for that, and if you have some extra time on uh, December 5th, go out, catch a movie, and uh, and help out the cause. Yeah, that sounds fantastic, and especially considering if you've watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood or even Want You Be My Neighbor, you're probably going to feel a little bit inspired to do something good, so why not go catch a movie and have the proceeds go to Lisa Educational Foundation? I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Mr. Rogers' seal of approval. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm handing those out on his behalf now. There you go. There you go. Somebody has to. <laughs> right. All right, so let's get into this. Letterboxd blurb. An award-winning cynical journalist, Lloyd Vogel, begrudgingly accepts an assignment to write an Esquire profile piece on the beloved television icon Fred Rogers. After his encounter with Rogers, Vogel's perspective on life is transformed. Directed by Marielle Heller, who did The Diary of a Teenage Girl and Can You Ever Forgive Me?, and a cast of Tom Hanks, Matthew Reese, Chris Cooper, and Susan Kelechi Watson. All right. We I didn't hear to talk you say about... uh, Zach Braff. No. Oh, is that who you confuse that guy with? Is Zach Braff? <laughs> he looks exactly like him. Oh, I think he kind of looks like uh, one of the kids from uh, 13 Reasons Why, even though I know he's much older than that guy. I don't know that series well enough to pick out from that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting Zach Braff vibes. No, no. Not I mean, not I wasn't a big that. Scrubs guy, but he he definitely 
He definitely looks like Scrubs. Yeah, Scrubs and Garden State. That's what you have to work with with uh, Zach Braff. <laughs> All right, so let's just go ahead and get into what we were teasing just a minute ago. How are you comparing this with a documentary? What are your thoughts on the order in which it goes? Because I feel like that's the elephant in the room that needs to be talked about, especially considering that you and I, if uh, listeners were to go back into last summer's vault and pull out uh, the episode on Won't You Be My Neighbor, you would hear nothing but gushing and ranting and near crying and all that stuff about how much we love that documentary. So I'm very curious for your perspective on that. Well, the uh, the documentary was fantastic and just gets you, just hits you in the feels all over. And that, uh, that was very hard to match coming into this movie. And although, and I don't know if I was using my feelings from that and transposing them onto this, uh, making me feel like I did in that. Uh, or if this movie had the same, a similar effect. What, what, were, what were you thinking there? Well, yes, I, I, I think so. I think, I guess I would say I wanted to feel more in this movie because I felt a lot in the documentary. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And, and that's my primary like emotional feeling about this movie is that I felt like I had to fill in a lot of gaps about Mr. Rogers and the impact that he has and who he is with my knowledge from the documentary. And I'm not sure that that's fair to this movie, but I'm also not sure that it's not fair. Yeah, that you, that, that's a good point. I don't know if I, because I knew where they were going with it or I knew the backstory behind it, why that all made more sense to me. Right. As somebody who didn't have that, um, if they would catch everything. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess I walked away feeling like that Mr. Rogers was kind of a supporting character. And that's not what I expected going into this. And that doesn't mean that because it's not my expectations, it's not good. It's certainly not a bad movie. I just felt like he kind of took a back seat to the storyline about the author's life. And I can kind of get that in a way. But I guess having seen the documentary and knowing like how much I walked away thinking, holy crap, this guy is a saint. Like it just doesn't, I guess I kind of felt like it didn't do Mr. Rogers justice. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of my thoughts were, how do you do a movie about Mr. Rogers starring as Mr. Rogers as your main character? Because there's not a lot of conflict. I feel in his life for a movie. Right. You know, I think it works really well in documentary form. And then I have to feel like you needed to do this of how he impacted somebody else's life Mm -hmm. in order to try to try to wrap your head around the kind of guy he was. Sure. I see that. And I, I do think that they might have realized that, that you just have to kind of take a snippet or something impactful in his life and, you know, him making the cover of Esquire and this guy being a jaded investigated writer who is known for, I guess it seems like exposing people of things. I get it. I do. And that's where I guess I feel like I think it almost would have benefited both films if the movie had come out first and then the documentary. You think so? I think so. I think because 
movies naturally make you, I think, inquisitive of what the real stories are and want to know more about the people involved. And I think that if you had seen this, you'd be like, okay, this is good. Yeah, Mr. Rogers, you know, uh, kind of reintroducing him to people who have been away for a while, like me and you, or people that don't even know him, things like that. And then you go dive into the documentary where you go neck deep and you find out more about that person, as opposed to our situation where we saw the documentary first, found out all there is to know about Mr. Rogers, had all these strong emotional feelings, all these stories that are there. And then you kind of have to take a step back into this world where they're not going to go that deep on it. And instead of getting his life story, you have to kind of just do this one, one little section. And I just felt like I knew what they were trying to do. And I don't think they did it poorly. It's just it couldn't live up to the documentary and that's, it's totally not fair. And I, I am by the end of this episode going to try and isolate the movie from the documentary, but I have, I have to get it out of my system that I think I, I, it would have been better for both films had it been movie first than documentary. See, and I, I think this movie was better because I'd seen the documentary because I was making those emotional connections already to what Mr. Rogers was. And I I don't think the movie did a good enough job of showing how powerful of a person he was. Because I was already, again, he has a ridiculous ability to make you reflect on your own life and show you what crappy human you've been, you know, and how you you should have been better. Uh, (laughs) It's uh, how you could be better. It makes you want to be better. And I feel like I was doing that earlier than the movie was wanting me to do. And because I was just reflecting on... Uh, the documentary and hey, this is already Fred Rogers, and I already know that this is hitting me. Right, but I feel like that that backs up my point a little bit, which is that I don't think you would have been able to fill those gaps w- if you hadn't seen the documentary first. So by seeing the movie first, but it would have made the movie worse. Well, I don't know though. I feel like kind of an ignorance is bliss kind of thing because how much did you really know about Mister Rogers? So you would have been wanting the movie to fill those gaps, and maybe the movie would have filled those gaps enough. But in comparison to the documentary, it's not. And I, I think that's where I feel like the problem is. It could be. I mean, obviously, we Sometimes. we could play this game all day about which one we could have or would have or should have seen first. But I guess that's just my overall take is I was doing a lot of the same things that you were doing. But before Won't You Be My Neighbor, I wouldn't have been armed with that knowledge to even begin to do that. See, I think without that, this movie is not as good. And so... That's what, because I don't think it had that huge impact in this right. movie. I agree. No, but I was transferring impact to this. Yeah. And, you know, something you said there really kind of triggered something in my mind, which is that I think they're trying to show Mr. Rogers' impact to the audience through uh, Lloyd, the writer. And I think that's what movies kind of have to do sometimes and then they hope by like transitive property that by showing the impact on the writer that it then impacts the audience whereas the documentary has the luxury of trying to impact you directly like it it just doesn't have to tell the story of how it affects other people necessarily it's just trying to tell the story in an attempt to affect you um so i feel like you're mainlining mr rogers a little bit in the documentary whereas you know here it's like secondhand mr rogers that's exactly the analogy that he would hope that you would use. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's not, it, tell me I'm wrong. You're not. You're not. No, okay. I, I, I concur. Okay. All right. You have any other thoughts on the documentary versus the movie before we kind of transition into more of just the movie? Uh, probably. Do you want to but say I'll, But now? I'll hop back when you don't want to. 
No, so, I don't care. I don't. No, care. I, I don't. I don't know that it's it's around the tip of my tongue right now. But we'll okay. Uh, we may. I'm reserving the right to hop back. Okay. Against against your uh, your will. <laughs> All right. Well, the movie itself. I think the one thing that stands out to me is what they tried to do with it structurally. Meaning, it's a movie cocooned inside of a Mr. Rogers episode. And I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. So I didn't like how they started it off with the episode. Okay. Because I immediately, it immediately took me out of that's not Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. That's clearly somebody trying to act like Mr. Rogers. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like because it was in his show that that was more prevalent. Okay. Did you have any sort of feeling like that? Uh, yeah. I okay. So I wouldn't say it was exactly like that. I mean, I had to. I just sort of mentally prepared for like, okay, I know Tom Hanks does not look like Mister Rogers, but I hopefully he has enough of the mannerisms and stuff that I I can just fudge that a little bit, but. So I didn't really have that much of a problem. I just thought it was it what was jarring to me, everything about the opening was fine until he opened the picture with a writer. And then I was like, "What? What? Like what angle are we going for here?" And so you're kind of like you're not really breaking the fourth wall when you do that, but it was definitely a very interesting approach to take with the narrative structure of the story and that was the moment where I was like, "Oh, okay, so I guess I didn't know what they were going to do. And I guess it became more apparent as the movie went on, how they were trying to weave this in and treat it like an episode. But at the time I was just like, is this a dream? Like what's happening here? Yeah. Like he, well, he was narrating the movie kind of, but not really. Right. And they chose weird spots to kind of bring this back in, right? Like you'd go a little while and then you'd cut back to the episode where he's then, you know, showing up at the door and being talked to like that or, I don't know. It just was a very interesting choice. I I give them credit for being bold with their story structure and not just going formulaic. I'm not sure that it worked for me. I will say the one piece that worked for me, I didn't hate the transitions between, you know, like if he's traveling to Pittsburgh, they show the airplane and little models. I mean, fine. I'm kind of good with that. It was a nice, interesting touch. But as far as baking him into the actual episode, I, I, I don't know that that worked for me. It it did not work for me. Okay, uh, I liked the the transitions of the towns. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that could have been enough. Yes, uh, to do that. Uh, I did not like him with rabbit ears. Oh, old yep. rabbit! I did not like any of that. <laughs> I did not. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand what was happening. And all of a sudden, he woke up in Mister Rogers' house. Yes, like uh, what? It's like he's following a ghost of Mister Rogers. You know, and then he hops on a bus, and then all of a sudden he's transported into into the show. It's like is Mister Rogers some sort of wizard demon? You know, that's <laughs> that's you know projecting himself all over the place. Like what what is happening here? Yeah, and uh, and then they don't even talk about it. oh you passed out when you on set. Is that what he did? I don't know. I still don't know what happened. I, honestly, I I am with you. I I don't think it's hard to solve. I assume he went to Pittsburgh and passed out on the set. That has to be what happened because he ended up in the house of Mr. Rogers. But when you throw like a trippy segment like that into it, you're just kind of like, what is what is really happening here? And and that's the one for me 
that felt very, very jarring to the whole movie. I, I can, even if I didn't like the whole episode inside of a movie feel or movie inside of an episode, whatever we're going to really call whatever the outer shell of this is, even if I didn't like that, uh, fine. It's a, it's a choice. Um, but that whole trippy section where he's in the land of make-believe with the rabbit ears, that was just, it felt off from the rest of the movie. I agree. I agree. And it was distracting. Very. So how did you feel about Tom Hanks? Well, I will say that he's fine. And I definitely felt like he exuded Mr. Rogers' um, characteristics very well. You know, we have watched the documentary, so we know that Mr. Rogers spoke with a very deliberate, slow um, manner, and he liked to leave room for people to talk and not just fill it with space. And I felt like that came across very, very clear through Tom Hanks. Now, I feel like even though I knew that's how Mr. Rogers was, like seeing it on screen in a movie, I was like, oh, this is kind of, I don't know, feeling kind of awkward. I don't know why, but that wasn't because of Tom Hanks. So long story short, I felt like Tom Hanks was good and that he captured the mannerisms. That's about, I think, all you're going to get out of me on that. See, and my wife had an interesting comment that she thought Tom Hanks exaggerated how slow he spoke. And and I was like, well, kind of. I mean, I felt like he, he spoke really slow, but so did Mr. Rogers. And then we mm-hmm. went back and we watched a couple episodes and like, no, he really did slow everything down beyond yeah. even Mr. Rogers slow. And, and that's interesting too, because I, I think I just kind of hinted at that, that it felt like it was either didn't translate right to the screen or it was a bit much. Um, but yeah, that'd be interesting to go back and watch like, won't you be my neighbor and, and see that because I know he makes it a point to, to do that and be like that, but was it exaggerated? Yeah. I mean, I, maybe, I don't know. I'd, lo- I'd love to do a comparison, but that's probably right. Yeah. So, I I've been looking for somebody to to play Mr. Rogers. Like who would this have been better with? Because as I was watching the movie, I felt very much that I was watching Tom Hanks. And I don't know if it's because Tom Hanks is genuinely a nice guy also mm-hmm. that it was just it was believable that Tom Hanks would be having this sort of celebrityness and be interviewed the same way and just be a just a nice guy uh-huh. yeah you know, that I didn't feel Mr. Rogers at all I think that's true and but I think that's an unsolvable problem I don't think you can I don't think you can replicate Mr. Rogers just I, I just don't feel like you can not from a famous actor not from a non-famous actor I just feel like that's a guy that can't be duplicated yeah, it's just hard to uh, to put somebody that that feeling into it, which I don't think he had as much emotion into what he was doing um, that Mister Rogers does. Yeah, and I yeah I don't disagree. I, I but I do feel like Tom Hanks was probably the best choice. <laughs> Believe you me, I went through a lot of actors. And, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, as a spoiler alert, uh, there, there's not ones that that fit this because you can't take away something else that they've done. It's like, that's no way you can have that guy do Mr. Rogers. (laughs) Right. You know, I can't even imagine the list. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Well, we can get to that later, but well, and has it been, have we stated this on the podcast? Your dislike of Mr. Hanks? Uh, there was a period of time where uh, I did not enjoy 
Tom Hanks on screen. Yes. Okay. I just didn't know if that had been covered on this podcast before, and it feels like now's the opportune time because I'm not sure we've done a Tom Hanks movie on the podcast. So I just want it in the record forever about your at least one time dislike of Tom Hanks. So my my statement was I enjoyed 80s Tom Hanks all the way through Sleepless in Seattle. And then uh, when you've got mail dropped, basically everything post that until recent times, uh, I did not did not enjoy him on screen. Yeah, I, I think there's some gems in there that you're overlooking. There's like, good, mean, and mind you, I said there's good movies, okay. but I didn't like him in them. <laughs> okay, you didn't like that. Him in that Road that to was Perdition? my stance. That was my stance. Road to Perdition I liked Road was fantastic. To, yeah, I don't think he was the right choice for that. I think he was great. Is a is a fantastic movie. I don't think he was the right choice. <laughs> Tom Hanks, the gangster. That's exactly uh, what, what the impression that you have there. Right. I, yeah. I just remember the bulk of our college years being spent arguing about Tom Hanks. So it needed to make its way onto this podcast. Yes. Well, there it is. I, I welcome all, all questions and comments. Uh, <laughs> but but that was a period of time. And I think it may have been really You've Got Mail that set me off because it's the exact same movie as sure. Sleepless in Seattle. And so it just started me down a an anger path that uh, I just transferred movie to movie. At least you recognize that he's still like widely considered a good guy. I mean, oh, a good you may, human, you know, sure, like, right, sure, yeah, sure. It, it didn't go beyond the the filmography. Oh no, no. I I often, no, I I pride myself on being able to separate work from from life. Um, that goes both ways, also. So someone sure. can be a terrible human and also also be a great actor. Um, right. But that's uh, but no, he's he's never not been a, a good human being. Okay. So I don't want to potentially spoil something later. So maybe just tease this. Did you find a, a viable replacement? I feel like you said no, but I just want to confirm that. I I could not find somebody that that could do it justice. Okay. Which, because, which I, I think... mean, it, it really comes down to you you do connect who that person really is in real life to playing Mr. Rogers. And you can't have Kevin Spacey playing Mr. Rogers. You know, you're like zero chance that doesn't work, you know, and you, you just go down the list and you're like, no, he can't play a murdering psychopath in this movie and then have him play Mr. Rogers. You know, you just can't. So you start going through their filmography, but also who they are is in real life. And it just doesn't work. I would be very curious to know um, in that same vein, if anybody else was considered for this role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels like to me the list starts and stops with Tom Hanks because of it, it, all the problems you're pointing out. It's like, okay, yeah, we can't have Mel Gibson or Kevin Spacey or any of these guys. Like, So the list is already whittled down. And he has to be of a certain age. Sure. So, you know, you live long enough to become the villain, you know? Sure. Uh, you have a big enough filmography to where it doesn't doesn't quite work and uh, or just life life happens. I mean, you look up nicest actors ever you know keanu reeves is not mr rogers no you know you know you just that won't work even when he's uh 75 that's not gonna work <laughs> right <laughs> so no it, it's he, he had to be the right choice but it i think it took away from me that it was very much tom hanks to me and and i, I just felt like it was tom hanks talking to him and i've it was believable as tom hanks as he would be a generally nice guy Sure. 
so we we mentioned this on the last episode too. So wrapping up our little Tom Hanks segment, is he going to get a nomination? Um, in a week year. Okay, probably. Again, Do I you... don't know. I don't know who he would. Actually, I'd, I'd say no. I would not. I would not nominate him for this. Uh, for either lead or supporting. Maybe supporting. Okay. But I don't think it was stand outish. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And I think his best bet would be as supporting. And truthfully, I think it is a supporting role. I, if you had to tell me to pick between Matthew Reese and, and Tom Hanks is who was the lead and who was supporting it. it, Matthew has to have the lead. He was in almost every scene of the whole movie, whereas Mr. Rogers kind of came and went. Right. No, I agree. I agree. It'd be supporting. And I'm sure there's other supporting roles that are, are better than this. Sure. I, I think, you know, we're just now going to get, I mean, the next three months is when it gets really intense with stuff that comes out or stuff that has been out that we haven't had a chance to see, but I would agree with stuff we've never heard of. So yeah, there's always that too. Right. But yeah, I'm with you on that one too. Um, I don't know. What else you got on this movie? How'd you think about, uh, about Kansas city's own Chris Cooper? I mean, truthfully, Chris Cooper is kind of the same in every movie. I mean, if that's what they were going for, that I think they Norman Osborne, Norman Osborne. <laughs> no, I did not think Norman Osborne, but I guess I just feel like, um, you know, dad who kind of left his family and drinks a lot and is kind of curmudgeon but then might come around at the end. Yeah, Chris Cooper. Fine. Yeah, right? I mean, that feels like a very Chris Cooper kind of role. Yeah. I feel like I've seen him on a deathbed numerous times, and I don't know why. <laughs> why that just... You feel like he's typecasted there. Yeah. Which, again, kudos to them. I mean... They they cast it spot on. I had no problem with Chris Cooper in this movie. I mean, he's whatever. <laughs> You've never liked that guy. <laughs> this is the episode of actors you do not like. And the, fact that you have, those. <laughs> and the fact that you have to say Kansas City's own, it probably just irks you even more. It does. It does. This is our claim to fame. Chris Cooper. <laughs> I, I, I don't know Paul Rudd. Give, give me Paul right. Rudd. I'll, I'll wave his flag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we could go different ways with this, but you just get locked in on Chris Cooper. <laughs> I think I am running out of things to say. How about you? Yep. I think I am feeling the exact same. So let's get to our questions. I am Thor, son of Odin. As long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say are you ready so what'd you give it and why i gave it i had to think about this one for a little while and i'm gonna pull a carson i'm giving it a mr rogers bump because i kind of feel like an asshole if i don't give it a 0.5 bump because of mr (laughs) rogers so it's at 3.5 for me three and a half so I, I did the same. I did the same. I gave it a, a three and a half. And again, I don't know that if it was because of how I felt in the documentary that I was saying, yes, this really still got to me and made me want to be a, a better person. Uh, and speaking of, on the way home from the theater, uh, I purchased the documentary to, and it's supposed to be delivered in a few hours. So oh, nice. it, it was just one of those that like, that's, that's just one that I feel like I should own and you just watch, you know, once a quarter and just make you feel like you should be a better person. And yeah. in theory, it should, uh, it should help you out. But I, I will say I'm kind of petrified to watch it again because I fought back tears massively when I watched it in theaters and I maybe I'll be better because I'll be more ready for it but I'm not sure 
No, I, I bet it's gonna gonna hit you like a load of bricks again. Uh, yeah. But not, uh, I bought it. Felt like I should own it. On the way home, uh, the boss ordered it, and then uh, again, it arrives in two hours. Nice to, uh, to Amazon. Yeah, so. I think I think I heard somebody say it's on HBO right now. So I I may may have to pull that up tonight if I've got nothing better to do. Sunday night football is trash. Maybe I'll just turn on. Won't you be my neighbor? Mm-hmm. There you go. But yeah, All right. So I was a I was a three and a half. It, it was it was okay. Yeah. I'm with you there. What's your favorite moment? So I struggled with this. Um, I felt like I didn't have one singular moment, but I liked every time that Zach Braff was <laughs> talking to him and he like, you could see him like, really? Like, is this guy really asking me this? Or is this, mm-hmm. that's, is that really his answer? Like he's doubting, but he's also, you know, getting converted, if you will. Sure. Like this guy is a nice guy. So he had these little looks, like every question, you know, asking about his family, asking about him. That he's like, you know, do you care? Like, do, do you really care or do you right. not care? You know, and he's trying to figure him out. And he had he had all these different facial expressions that they kept doing throughout that uh, I enjoyed. Yeah, he acted a lot without saying much. Yeah, and he was yep. getting one over. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for. Yep. So mine was probably the moment in the restaurant where they stopped for one minute. I just thought that that was a bold choice for a filmmaker to do, to actually hold it for a full minute, not like say that you're going to do it for a minute and then leave it for 30 seconds. But um, it felt very Mr. Rogers to me. Like at the end of Won't You Be My Neighbor, there's that question that they ask everybody about who has inspired you the most. And that was the moment when I about lost it. And this was the closest I came to that in the theater where, you know, they, he makes him think about uh, the people that loved him who brought him into this world. And then it kind of pans around the restaurant and you actually see a couple people there. I don't know if you caught that, but Mr. Rogers wife is one of the people sitting at the, in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. There was a, a lady sitting behind us, uh, leaning to her friend. She goes, that's his wife. And the yeah. other one said, yes, I know. <laughs> oh, wow. Shot down. Um, I think Mr. McFeely, the real one, was in there. I think I caught him. Oh, but, I didn't see that. Um, but then they held it on Tom Hanks's face. And I just felt like that was very quintessentially Mr. Rogers. Uh, the the waiting for the, you know, letting the time be there and not having to fill it with speaking. And I just thought that was a really cool moment. Brave choice from the filmmaker to do that. And uh, I appreciated that. So that was probably my favorite moment. See, I liked that scene from what they were doing. Uh, I didn't like the hold on Tom Hanks' face. Okay. Um, one of his eyes was bigger than another. <laughs> yeah, you know, he did. <laughs> yeah, he does like a little squint with his right eye. A yeah, little bit. and it's like, and so I'm like, Dude, you're staring at him. When I think the it would have been better at either showing the both of them. Yeah. Or or showing the reporter because he was the one going through the emotional piece of that. Yeah, uh, and Mister Rogers was just sitting there. I think the hold should have been on, uh, on him, or at least the both of them. The best best you could do that because I I felt like that was the more powerful side of it. Hmm. Okay, I and liked just it. staring at us. Yeah, I like the hold on him because I feel like it's meant to be, uh, you know, him kind of soul searching you almost, right? Like you're kind of getting that sense of staring into Mr. Rogers when he's asked you to, to think about this for one minute. So I, I liked it. I thought it was fine. I wouldn't change it. Yeah. And I think part of it's, it's Tom Hanks and not Mr. Rogers. So, sure. Yeah. All right, then what is one thing you would change about this movie? And 
the Mr. Rabbit scene yep. inside yep. the uh yeah, the castle. It just none of it made sense. I don't know why it's in there. Uh it didn't even tie anything together. Yep. I nothing more to say on that one. That that piece was uh should have been deleted. Yeah. All right. So character swap. Who'd you get out of here? <laughs> well, I couldn't take Tom Hanks out because of the problem you mentioned earlier. That I just don't think you're going to find a better Mr. Rogers than that. You know, taking out Chris Cooper or uh, the writer's wife would have been just really inconsequential. So you're really stuck with the writer, I think, at that point. So Matthew Reese. Not to say he did a bad job, but we, we kind of forced our hands on this. And we just actually gave him some kudos for, one, being the lead actor in the movie, and two doing a lot of nonverbal acting that came across really well on screen. So this is in no way a reflection of his ability, but I did the old trick that we've been doing lately. And we talked about it on Ford versus Ferrari, where I went and Googled the actual writer to see what he looked like. And, um, felt like the guy looked like he could have been Billy Crudup's dad or something. So, I opted to put Billy Crudup in because I actually kind of like Billy Crudup. I think he should be in more stuff. And I think he could have pulled off this role really well because I think he's a good dramatic actor. So that that was mine. I do enjoy a good Crudup here and there. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, we just watched uh, Alien Covenant and uh, uh, I did not remember he was in there. Now, the rest of the movie is not very good, but yeah. Billy's, Billy's in there trying. I thought you were going to say like Watchmen or Almost Famous or something. Nope. Alien Covenant. God. All right. <laughs> like you said, right. he's not in, he's not in as much as he should be. No, he's, he's not, in for sure. he's in those those types of movies. Uh no, I I could see that. Okay. That's fair. So then what did uh, you come up with? I tried really hard to get rid of uh Tom Hanks, but it it did not work. And so he had to stay uh, as mentioned. So I went with Kansas City's own Chris Cooper. Oh boy, um, just taking shots. You went. Did. You were go- gunning for one of those two guys. It, it was. It was definitely going to be Cooper next because again, I thought. Uh, I thought the reporter did did a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, again, the facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So I'm I'm good with him. Uh, I don't think my swap makes the movie necessarily better uh-huh. it's just a uh, lack of a different option and so i went with the the other stereotypical drunk dad um it definitely would have changed the movie and it's probably not a good fit but uh i went nick nolte oh lord <laughs> no nick nolte's <laughs> way too aggressive for this kind of movie nick nolte's <laughs> a belligerent drunk chris cooper is like the sad mopey like maybe hostile kind of drunk but nick nolte is like he should, he'd be throwing stuff around on the screen. Well, I don't know who how his dad actually uh, acted, but maybe maybe that was more Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I uh, actually thought when you said Chris Cooper, the first guy that popped in my head was Sam Elliott. Is Sam Elliott? See, yes. I don't see him as a, a washed up drunk. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I could kind of see him drunkish. He's but, got yeah. his stuff together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sam Elliott's pretty awesome. And there's no way he loses that stash. I don't think it fits. No. So, I mean, I think that's written in his contracts that he will be keeping the stash at all times. Uh, yeah, and I don't think that fits for this character. Uh, this, it's just when I was thinking of a, a drunk dad who um, is trying to find redemption, it's, it's like Nick <laughs> Nolte's always that guy. Because Nick Nolte was like that in real life, hence that amazing <laughs> mugshot from back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So again, it doesn't make the movie better, but I got Chris Cooper out of there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what award are you giving this movie? I gave it 
The uh, most emotional movie of the year. Ooh. Hmm. Because I did get my feels on. I did. Uh, really? I, I, I kind of didn't. But see, again, I think I was transferring. Sure. I'm already in Mr. Rogers' mindset, and he's a good person, and I should be a good person. And so my mind, throughout the entire movie, you know, kept going of what other things should I be doing better? You know, and that just, it just gets you, you know, and made me think of, again, the documentary that, uh, so I was feeling those feelings. And I, I don't know if this movie is that, but that's what I was feeling. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of skimming through my movies of the year this year, which I need to, update and there's my not list. very many emotional movies. Yeah, you are you are right about that. I think the only one that I would say was more emotional for me, which you have not seen, it was like a Endgame? Netflix original. <laughs> no, there's a movie called Paddleton with uh, Mark Duplass and Ray Romano. That is a Netflix movie that uh, I had to choke back some tears uh, at the end of that one. So I, that would be my nod this year. But you haven't seen that, and if I hadn't seen Paddleton, I would I would agree with you um, because I'm looking Paddington? at things like. No, not not Paddington. Paddleton. Okay. No, I've um, never even heard of that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm looking through my others like Rocket Man, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Fighting with My Family. There's just not you're right. It's 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 been a year devoid of emotion, at least for the movies that I guess I've been primarily watching for the podcast. And I, I can't really think of any other movies that I've watched off to the side that have really got it. So yeah, I okay. I I'm good with that. Okay. So far. We so haven't far. seen uh Rise of Skywalker yet. <laughs> sure. Um, okay, so this will sound harsh, but Uh-oh. I am saying that it's the most disappointing movie of the year for me so far. Really? Yeah. Because I scrolled through my list again, and you know, there's been some bad movies, but I also didn't expect them to be good. Like, didn't expect Hellboy or Dark Phoenix or Brightburn to really be all that good. You know, Rambo could have been up there, but honestly, after the first couple of trailers, I, I tempered my expectations well, very, very yeah, much. That's got to be worse because that Rambo was real bad. And well, while right, you but... may not have thought that it was going to be like part four, that had to be an amazing disappointment. Well, right. But this one was so different because I think, again, of the documentary and how much I loved that. And then you add Tom Hanks, and it's Oscar season. And it's a true story. So there's just all these things coming together that I was going in wanting it to be like a four at the lowest and potentially a five and recapture those feelings of the documentary, all of that stuff. So for me to come out of it saying that it's a three and a half with a Mr. Rogers bump, which means it's probably closer to a three, doesn't mean I didn't like it. It just means like I'm, I'm disappointed. I, I'm really disappointed. With Rambo... It's one of those things where, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh, Stallone's going to mess this up somehow, right? Like, you just kind of know <laughs> that it's Rambo 4 was like lightning in a bottle and it wasn't going to happen again for him. And this one's just totally different. I just expected to come out of this being like, okay, I, I might have a new best movie of the year up there with Joker and stuff. And I, I just, I don't have that. So I, I was just really disappointed in it. Not to say I didn't still like it or that's still good. We have a whole podcast talking about that, but. I was just disappointed. Most disappointing. See, I don't think it was... I think it hit right about where I thought it was. I knew it wasn't going to be the documentary. 
and I knew it was going to fall a little short of that and just curious how they were going to put it all together. And so I yeah. think it fit um, what I was expecting. I've had much more disappointing movies this year. Like Dark Phoenix. Well, oh, I didn't have my have... expectations. Stupid low <laughs> in, in reality. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, are we going to say the same thing here? We may. Okay. I, mean, I, mean, I think there's only one choice. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, if you like this movie, you would also like Won't You Be My Neighbor. You have to go see the documentary. It's it's a must-watch. Even if you only kind of like this movie, you should go see Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yep. And we're going to refer you back to our pod that we did on that earlier because it just it's a different kind of movie. It's a documentary, obviously, but that really, it it's something special. How it, how it didn't win anything, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it must have been a weird year. I forget what it was up against, but even I know a lot of people that don't like documentaries because they feel like they're heavy or heady or you know all that stuff. This is not that. This is something that needs to be seen, can be enjoyed by people old, young, people who know Mr. Rogers, people who don't. It just should be seen by everybody. It's It's highly digestible, so it's not something that's going to be preachy or anything like that. It's just a fantastic documentary and it's episode 35 of two views movies there you go <laughs> right okay well our second mr rogers podcast uh in our podcast history so that one's yeah. down I mean, we'll see you next year on yeah no one. kidding yeah we'll find we'll something mr <laughs> something mr so rogers to cover next year it's a it's our quota we have to do one a year make us feel better and uh we'll move on right so it's uh thanksgiving week coming up and we are going to be covering Knives Out on our next episode, which you got an advanced screening of. Do you care to whet anybody's appetite? That we're covering it? Well, no. I just said we're covering it. I'm saying, do you have a, a, a nugget or a kernel that, that you want to say about Knives Out? Or are you just going to keep it keep it in your pocket until... No, we, we were all warned uh, by Ryan Johnson before the movie to oh. keep our traps shut. So I will I will honor that. Okay, so when can people maybe expect a spoiler-free rating from you? When's the embargo lift? Uh, the embargo actually has been lifted, but oh. to talk about anything, it's uh, he he encouraged <laughs> us wow. not to. So, so he. I mean, betrays- it is it's a, it's a whodunit. So any anything that anybody could slip up on, I mean, it's supposed to be one that you watch and try to figure out. So okay, I guess I, I meant wanna- should people. Be- should people be going to see it? Well, sure. Okay. Sure, why not? Okay. All right. Well, I guess we will... <laughs> get your butts in the seats? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, if you're I don't bored. Know. I just feel like if you've seen the movie already, and we've got listeners, that if you were like, mm, that's one thing, but if you're like, yeah, go see it, then at least people have something to go check out on Thanksgiving, because they're going to have some options. They, I mean, yeah. what? Frozen 2. Queen and Slim, Frozen 2, uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Knives Out. I mean, there's uh, 21 Bridges. My, I would say go see Knives Out so nobody spoils it for you. I think that's a good approach, for sure. All right. Well, we will catch you next week with that. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Carson, where can they find you on Twitter? At Carson Graff, G-R-A-F-F. You can find me at at Two Views Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. You can find the show on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at at Two Views Movies. And you can email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen, we are there. If you're on Apple, be sure to leave us a review to let everyone know that you are a fan of the show. 
We will catch you next week for Knives Out. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both.